What does true biblical rest look like? You know, we learned last week that the main reason why God called his people out of Egypt to the wilderness and eventually the promised land, according to Hebrew chapter 4, is to call them to what? To rest. Yes, there's a promised land, abundance, supplies, but all of this is for the purpose that they can come to a place of rest. Now, if we pay attention to what God said to Moses to say to Pharaoh about rest, or about coming to the wilderness, coming out to the wilderness, then we will see what God had in mind when he speak about rest. And so you recall, you know, God sent Moses and Aaron to speak to Pharaoh and say, I want, you, I want you to let my people go because I want them to. Different things, right? So there are different things that Moses spoke about in terms of calling the people out of Egypt to the wilderness, to the promised land, to rest. And so we, the first one is actually can be found in Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Exodus chapter 5, verse 1. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go that they may, let's read it together, hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Now look up here. Do you know what is the, one of the most amazing form of rest is? Is to have a feast before God. Not just any feast, feast before God. In other words, have a party before God. Do you realize that the God that you and I serve is a God that loves feasting? In fact, in the Old Testament, feasting is so important that they are supposed to observe the seven major feasts like they observe all the law in the Old Testament. They cannot miss any of those feasts. Now, these days, they add a few more, you know, different things, different season, you know. But there are seven major feasts that the Lord had instituted Himself, not by tradition of man or tradition of a Jewish tradition, but it's the Lord's feast and God said, I need you to hold the feast. Do you realize that the God you know, that you and I serve, he loved to see his people feasting before him. And that's why every Sunday morning when you come to church, you know, we have all this smoke, all this light. People go, oh, you know, this is so unholy, you know, it's so right. You know, those are feasting time. Those are party time. In other words, God wants you and I to come and celebrate. Celebrate His goodness. Party hard, you know, and just worship Him in feasting before Him, you know. We're going to talk about food later on, but before food, you know, we try everything. I want to encourage you, whenever you come on Sunday morning, don't miss the, feast, miss the feasting time. I, I actually believe we should not call it a worship service. We should call it a feasting time. Hello? Our worship service should not be called worship service. It's so lame. It's so yesterday, right? So let's call it a new name. You know, don't come to worship service. Come to feasting service, Shandai. You come in to celebrate. What is feast? Feast is to celebrate. The first thing is they have, you know, they have banner, they have trumpet, they have cymbal, they have song, they have trumpet, you know, just people dancing, you know. Even David loved to dance before the Lord, you know. And, you know, uh, our brother Angela wants to, wants to start this flag thing, you know. And, you know, uh, I'd like to see some flag going. Just, just include, in, in, you know, just trying to, trying to create this atmosphere of feasting before the Lord, you know. Just a, the atmosphere of celebration because our God loves feasting. Watch this that feasting before the Lord bring rest to your soul. Bring rest to your spirit. You see, it's so counterintuitive. You thought resting is just go, and there are people that do that in this church. So if somebody's sitting beside you do that, just go. 
But feasting before the Lord is very important. I want to encourage you to do that. That is an amazing way to come to the rest of the Lord. You know, God loves parties. He loves parties so much. You know, not only just to celebrate, just to, to sing songs and have tambourine and flags and banners and this sort of thing, you know. But He also wants us to feast in terms of eating. Come on. Eating is very, very important. Now, you can go eat outside, but it's something else when you eat and feast and celebrate with your brothers and sisters. It's actually very, very fun. You know, in the old days when we have one service, we, you know, every time when there's a special occasion, we have a feasting opportunity down in the gym. And so, you know, over the last couple of years, we started to realize that it's not enough to fit all the people in. And all people, we have like, you know, people have to go to Lower Chapel. We don't have a full gym, right? And so, you know, there's not enough room. So now what we do is we encourage people to go to small groups. And I want to encourage you, you know, in your small group, you should look for opportunity to feast. I'm telling you. You say, well, is it the Word of God? You know, you remember several hundred years after they possessed the land, then, you know, the, the people of Israel, they just, they just, they just uh, worship idols and they disobey God and God basically just, just turned them over to their enemies. They were in exile. And so when they came back from exile, some of them, a, rem- a few remnants came back from exile they were starting to build the temple of God that uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed, the Babylonians had destroyed. And so they're trying to rebuild the temple. And so they, they, they poured the foundation, they, they built the foundation. And, and after they built the foundation, Ezra and Nehemiah gathered the congregation together to celebrate. And some of the young people, you know, they were so excited. It's like, oh, praise God, the temple is finally being rebuilt again, the glory of God, blah, 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 right, whatever. But some of the older people started to weep because they remember the glory of the days when the, the, the temple of Solomon was so magnificent, so glorious. They wept before the Lord. And so Nehemiah and Ezra stood before the people and said, no, 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 don't do that. It's actually in Nehemiah chapter 8, chapter 8, verse 9 to 10. And so, you know, Nehemiah, he, who was the governor, and answered the priests and the scribe and the Levites who taught the people, said to the people, this day is holy. Everybody says, this day is holy. This day is holy. Now, what do you do when it is a holy day? Do not mourn. And we see so contrary, so contrary to the religious teaching. You know, you go to holy places. You know, have you ever been to churches? You know, so quiet. <sighs> That's not the way God sees holiness. That's human way of seeing holiness. God's ways of seeing holiness is feasting before him. Go to the next verse. Then he said, go your way. Eat the fat. Go ahead, have some Popeye chicken. Glory to God, right? Go ahead and have those marvelly roast beef, shandai, right? Well, the point is, get some good food, right? I mean, I, I, I shouldn't encourage that because I get, get sued, right? I can imagine some widow come to me and say, Pastor Paul, because of you, my husband is dead today. Thank you very much. You encourage him to eat those fat roast beef. And I told him not to, but you say, hey, eat the fat, right? So I shouldn't encourage that. Drink the sweet, look at that. Sugary food, hallelujah. The point is, when God calls his people to a place of holiness, 
It is a place of celebration, of worship and praise and feasting and eating before him. So I want to encourage you, you know, go to your small group. I don't want to put any pressure on those small group leaders, right? I'll tell you this. We've done a survey in this church. You know, the small groups that love to eat, they grow the fastest. Come on. Some of you thinking about small group, you know, don't worry. I'm not putting pressure on you to provide food. Just, you know, you can do that or you can say, hey, can everybody bring a little bit of food? And let's feast before the Lord. Let's celebrate. There's something about feasting because it will just rejuvenate your spirit. It's not just the food. It's absolutely refreshing. Try it sometimes. So come on Sunday. Get ready to worship God. Get ready to praise God. And the Father is crying out, come and celebrate, come and sing, come and worship, come and feast, come before the Lord and just worship Him. He will give you rest in that. It seems very counterintuitive. In fact, everything that is supernatural is always very counterintuitive. Just think about it. Everything the Bible teaches about supernatural things, it's always counterintuitive. If you don't feel it, believe me, believe it more. If you don't see it, believe it more. It's like, you know, the logic is that I will believe it when I see it. But the Word of God teaches that you believe more when you don't see it. You praise the more when you don't see it. So it's very, very counterintuitive. So that's the first thing. So when you want supernatural rest, instead of laying down, you know, you can go to some of the churches that are really quiet. You can actually put you to sleep. You know, you can have rest over there. That's a physical rest. Or you come to the place to celebrate with all that you have. Worship Him and feast before Him. He'll give you rest. That's one form of rest. Now let me show you another form of rest. In Exodus chapter 4, verse 23. Now, this is the second form of rest. Remember, God's calling the people, according to the book of Hebrews, out of Egypt so that they can come into the place of rest. To do what? What does it look like? Here he said, Moses said to Pharaoh, let my son go, the people of Israel, that he may what? Serve me. If you receive views to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. Another reference about coming to rest is to serve God is Exodus chapter 7, verse 17. And you shall say to him, that we, Aaron Moses say to Pharaoh, the Lord, the God of Hebrews, sent me to you saying, let my people go that they may serve me in the wilderness. But so far you have not obeyed. Now, this is not only the two scripture references in Exodus 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1, chapter 8, verse 20, chapter 9, verse 1, 9, 13, 9, 10, sorry, 10, chapter 10, verse 3, and 26. All these references is God is saying to Pharaoh that my people need to go to the wilderness to come to my rest. How? To serve me. A lot of people don't understand that concept. Again, it's very counterintuitive. You know, but the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul said that don't use the freedom you have to indulge in your own lust. But what do you do with the freedom that you have? You serve one another in love. And serving is one of the most amazing form of rest. You say, that, that's, that doesn't make any sense. It means you got to work hard. you got to work hard. See, therein lies the secret 
of supernatural rest that most people miss. In fact, I would submit to you that most Christians in North America miss. Most Christians in the West miss because they want to come to church to be served. They want to come to church to be entertained. They want the pastors and the church to convince them that this is the best church to attend. We design, unfortunately, we churches design our places to poach Christians from other churches. How many of you have ever been invited by a Christian to another church? You see? Many of us have. Well, come to my church. I'm already a Christian. That's okay. Come to my church. Next time people say that, you say, hey, why don't you go invite somebody who is not a believer? Do the proper evangelism. Not poaching. But I want to tell you this, believers. When you serve God, when you come to the house of God and serve in whatever capacity, if you haven't done anything, start serving. I will guarantee you, your worship experience will be quite different and that you will find incredible rest. You know, when I was younger... Uh, working in a secular vocation, I'm always, I'm not always a full-time minister. I was a young guy um, uh, uh, serving in church, you know, and uh, I was, uh, I was ministering. I was an associate pastor um, uh, in a, in a church uh, to to pastor a young adults group, a bunch of young adults, about you know 50, 60 of them, you know. And um, so what I would do in the, ch- I, I just love God, I just love to serve, you know. I just love to go to to the house of God. So what I would usually do is I would I would come to Friday night service, you know. And that church actually um, they met in a public place, meaning we have to set up and tear down. And so, you know, we go and set up the speakers, you know, the sound system, and then my piano, and then our lead worship for a Friday night a prayer meeting. And so, we'll have, you know, in the old days, you know, those Pentecostal and charismatic church, we have prayer meeting until the, the, you know, midnight or whatever, right? Late, not midnight, pretty late, around 10 o'clock or whatever. And after the, the, worship, the prayer meeting, people just kind of hang out to fellowship and, and so forth. And, and, and until, you know, they would stick around the 11 o'clock. And then I'm one of those guys that volunteer myself to drive people home. Right, so we tear down, and then we go, and then I'll go drive people home. By the time I get home, it's twelve o'clock, one o'clock in the morning, and then the next day I'll go on Saturday again, you know. And there's a, uh, there are some activities, outreaches, worship practice, or whatever, you know. I will be part of that, and, and actually, it's a worship practice. I I would teach um, the worship team about worship and this sort of thing, and then we'll practice, and then in the evening time, there's a young adult service. So I'm the preacher, so I got to be there, and so I have to preach the young adult service, and then it goes on, you know. In the old days, it goes on until repeatedly. And then, of course, I had to drive different people home after that, you know. And by the time I get home, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. And the next day is Sunday service. And off we go again, set up, play piano, worship, lead worship. And then after the service, we go to the pastor's house because he wants to have all the leaders there so that he can minister to us and so he could teach us and inspire us and, and whatever. And so we go there for training from two o'clock, after lunch from 2 o'clock to about 4 o'clock and then evening service starts at 6. And you would think that by the time I go to work on Monday morning, I'll be exhausted. But I'll tell you this. There is such a strength that is amazing. I will walk into the office. I see some of my colleagues looking super tired. Monday is the hardest day. 
Then I'll ask them, what you do in the weekend? Nothing. Well, I guess nothing used exhaustion. But you know, my spirit was just rejuvenated, have been rejuvenated. I was really thinking about the next weekend. It's like, I can't wait to go to church. Why is that? Is it because I was religious? Nobody forced me. I, you know, I graduated from university. I can do whatever that everybody else was doing in my profession, you know. And, and just, just relax and don't what, whatever. But I have discovered that when I come and serve God, not out of obligation, not out of condemnation, not out of somebody guilt me into it, but out of the love that I have for God, out of the worship that I have for God, I tell you, my strength is rejuvenated. You know, this, this Sunday, once in a while, you see that, you know, I have to lead worship and preach at the same time. And you think, you must be so tired. Well, naturally speaking, yes. But you know, somebody was worried about me the other day. I said, you know, Pastor, you sure you want to do this? You know, you want to lead worship and preach and then lead worship again and preach. I mean, lead worship itself is pretty exhausting if with, from the human perspective. But why would I want to do that? I said, you know, it's not like that. I said, I don't know if you ever experienced speaking in tongues. You know, when you speak in tongue, the Bible says and, uh, that you will get your strength renewed. That is a, it's a refreshing, it's a rest. And after you speak in tongue, you feel like you just had a shower. It's refreshing, it's amazing. It's the same thing with serving the Lord. When, especially when you serve the Lord in obedience to the Holy Spirit. And when I preach, after I preach, I feel strengthened. Sure, my physical strength may be depleted a little bit. I'm a little bit tired, but my spirit is rejuvenated. I'm excited again. I want to preach more. I told somebody, I can do this nine times in the weekend. Don't test me, Lord. Don't test me. But serving God is an amazing privilege. You know, not only do we get rest and get rejuvenated, but we also can enter into a different realm of worship. You know, the system of the world that we have today have figured out a way, I said it before, how to exhaust us to the last ounce of, ounce of energy we have. It has figured it out. So by the time you get home, and by the time I get home, it's really exhausting. So this week, I was invited to, uh, not invited, told, <laughs> ordered <laughs> by the government, <laughs> otherwise I would be fine or whatever, to be, a, uh, to be in a jury pool. And so I had those before, you know, but... The first time I was very fortunate, a number of years ago, it was a number of years ago, I was, you know, um, and so, uh, so, you know, I was very fortunate because I didn't get picked, you know, I just sat there, wait for the whole day, and then boom, I went home. And then this time was uh, quite different, you know, and um, it's about 240 of us in the big room, you know, and so we waited, waited, you know, we, you're told to be there at 9 o'clock, and the judge doesn't even show up until 10.45, right? So we sat in the room after the processes. We all sat in the room. Some of you being uh, been jury duty before, so you understand how, how it's like. And those of you who are, gonna, who are new Canadian citizen, you know, just wait up. Your turn is coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, you know, so we're, we're, sitting, we're sitting in the courtroom. And so the judge, you know, basically explained to us this. And so they actually have the defendant to come out and the, the counsel for the defendant. And then, and then, of course, the prosecutor, you know, ready to go and eat, eat the defendant's lunch, whatever, right? So, so it was like all this drama, you know, 
I felt like it was a drama. And the judge came out, you know, and, and the judge started to explain. He said, this is a first degree murder trial that you will, preside, you will, be, you will be making a judgment on. And also, this fellow is, has also committed robbery. So there's two counts. First degree, um, first degree, of mur- first degree murder and also robbery. And so the, the judge uh, uh, um, told the defendant to rise and, and the defendant stood up. And then there was this clerk that reading the, the charges to the defendant. And they, they, you know, she was asking, do you plead guilty or not guilty? Of course, the defendant said not guilty, not guilty, right? So after the defendant sat down, you know, the judge says that, okay, if you're being picked as a juror, it'll be three weeks at least, every single day. I was thinking to myself, Father, you know I have to serve you. (laughs) I don't want to do this. And so I say to the Lord, God, please, don't let them pick my name. You know, the way that they pick names, they have this little drummer thing, you know, this this drum that they, they spin and then they pick your name. They pick the cards, and if, if you're blessed enough, your name will be picked. And so, so they, they had to go through like 140 names, and then um, 150 names, and then they let about 100 people go. The, the, the lucky ones, I guess you call them, you know, that never got called. They get to go home, no problem, you know. That, that was the end of the story. So they started picking the name, and I started speaking tongue, really literally praying. First name. Not me. Woo! Praise God. Shaka. Second name. Not me. Woo! Praise God. And 98 to go. Oh, God, help. Help, help. And I was the fourth guy to be picked. I said, God, there's no rest in this. I can't believe this. I was mad at God. You know, have you been there before you're mad at God? You know, you pray, you pray, you pray, and, and the opposite happened. What? So I said, God, I spoke in tongue. You know, like, come on. I believe. I believe in you. What, you, what are you doing? So anyways, they picked me. And then I was like grumbling, you know. And then all of a sudden, there was a, there was a Holy Spirit speaking to me. I said, are, are you going to rest in this? I say, yeah, yes, yeah. You wrote a book on rest. You should rest. Okay. Okay, I rest. I rest. And that means complete surrender. And so I said, God, whatever you want, I make a decision that I will rest. What time am I supposed to finish? 12.30? Okay, I got two more minutes. So let me cut short the story. So anyways, uh, you know, uh, they give you a question, you have to fill it up. And then anyways, in the afternoon, I will be, you know, they ask us to come back. And so they will have an interview with the judge one-on-one, each of the jury that had been picked. And so in, in, the, in, the, in the sheet, I, they basically ask many questions. And one of the questions is, that, have you ever been a victim of robbery? Or you're, you know a person who had been murdered, whatever, and victim of murder? And so I check yes, because I was robbed before. Right? I check yes, and then I scrape it off because I never reported it. And then I check no. And I didn't think much about it, right? Because I already committed myself to rest. Doesn't matter what happened. And so, you know, I come before the judge, and so you have to sit in the witness box. And I look at the defendant, he looks at me, I look at him, he looks at me, and I say, Shandai, hallelujah. And then I actually scooter back behind the judge, you know. And the judge said, come forward. Okay, come forward. <laughs> so the judge went, I see here that you have marked yes, and then you scrape, you scratch it, and then mark no. I said, well, yeah, because I never reported it quite some years ago. 
And then he said, well, do you think you can be impartial? That was my opening, right? So I didn't want to lie, right? And I go, well, I don't know. <laughs> and the judge said, well, in that case, you can go. I was like, thank you, Lord. Yes. <laughs> Shaka, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, you know. And I had to say, God, sorry, 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 sorry being mad at you. Sorry for being mad at you. You know, that's what faith is. A lot of us, you know, sometimes we pray and pray. We, we see the opposite happening and we don't know the end story. And we started to get mad at God. But in His grace, in His grace, He's always loved us. He understands. He saw, you know, he, the Bible declared that He had seen the end from the beginning. He had seen our ends from the beginning. Even though we like, you know, kicking and screaming and getting mad at him, he still loves us. But anyways, the reason I tell you the story is because I was going to downtown. You know, I've been downtown many times, right? But, but this time, for some reason, you know, I realized if you have to go to work downtown, I just, I have, I have more appreciation for your life than ever before. I gone home, you know, you can ask my wife. I actually had loved her more this week, you know. I was like, honey, I know what you're going through. People are living in a very harsh world. We all are living in a very harsh world. I say this to say this to you. Is that it's very natural. We all are very exhausted. This message of rest that is so counterintuitive to our culture, needs to be said, needs to be proclaimed through all the city. I just give you two of the many examples that I have in this book about rest. All of them are very counterintuitive of what you and I have heard, experienced, and have been taught. I want you to know that it is the desire of God that we do not live in a life of absolute exhaustion. It is not his idea for us to live. This is not the way he wants us to live. He wants you and I, he wants you and I to live in absolute rest, free of condemnation, free of guilt, but coming to his presence, not doing nothing, but celebrate his goodness, rejoicing before him and love on him, serve him and serve the people. And that's when he can give you the supernatural refreshing experience in his presence every Sunday. So next Sunday when you come, you ought to ask yourself this question, am I going to sing something? song or am I going to feast? Am I going to come to church or am I going to go feasting? I want to encourage you to come feasting before the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen? I want you to make a decision that every time I come to church, I'm coming to feast before the Lord. And not only am I coming to feast before the Lord, I'm making the determination that I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve Him. I'm going to worship Him. Because in that place of service, in that place of feast, you'll find supernatural rest. And no wonder a lot of Christians still feel very tired because they have been told the contrary. They go to church every weekend, you know, go to church every Sunday. They've been told how what holiness looks like, completely contrary to the Word of God. And they've been told what rest is, which is really not in the Word of God. And they're as tired as the world because their perception of rest is like the world. And that's why they're struggling still every single day. I want to encourage you. You know, when you feast before God and you rest before Him and you serve Him, you put aside all the other things that are so easily weigh you down, including your sin. You put that aside. You come and serve and worship God. Guess what He's going to do? Not only is He going to give you rest, 
But He is going to, as you're feasting and worshiping Him before Him, you've learned throughout the Old Testament that He will go into your situation and He'll work on your behalf. Have you been trying and trying and trying and trying and not working? Are you one of those individuals that say, I try everything, like, like, like I was doing, you know, you saw the commercial, right? Try everything, had nothing worked. Then I discovered the supernatural rest before God. And not only that, in that rest, God gave me supernatural success. One of the things I, didn't, I actually didn't share, worship team, are you here? All right. Only one person in my worship team, praise God, hallelujah. The rest is taking a rest. <laughs> I tell you what, I used to be in sales in the high-tech industry. And, and uh, I remember the first time I see this supernatural encounter of rest. And I was resting before the rest, as, as I told you, I'll come to church every weekend. And I know that some of my colleagues, because they're in sales, they work in the weekend. In the high-tech industry, they're preparing for biddings, you know, bidding for, for businesses from government, corporations, so forth. You know, we're in the computer industry. We sell millions of dollars of servers to industry. So people, you know, in my field, they, they work in the weekend too. They work really hard, whereas I spend my time in church. I remember one time I was uh, practicing worship with my team. I had this page in the old days, didn't have cell phone, right? Have a pager. So I had this pager behind me, you know, and it was buzzing all this time. I was like, hallelujah, shandai, and then you know, buzzing, right? Then I said, God, I'm just going to worship you. I'm going to ignore them, you know. But, you know, it's pretty amazing. If you ask my wife, and some of you were with me around that time when I was in my uh, mid-20s, God supernaturally came in bless me without me even knowing one of the example is um i was working for this high-tech company you know and um i was the youngest guy in my 20s and um just working for the high-tech company you know and one day i was called into the office and my boss sat me down he said his boss he told me wants to see me i was like oh <laughs> either i'm gonna get fired <laughs> or i'm gonna get blessed so actually, so he said, you know, he said, Jim wants to see you. Go to his office. So I went to his office. I sat down. And Jim, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's a very strict guy. He's a very strict fellow. He's, he's the president of the corporation for the Canadian operation. And, and so he, he sat me down. He said, I know you didn't apply for the job. You probably didn't even know the job was there. And there was this job that is a global uh, account manager just to take over uh, a business the largest business they have in Canada as an account manager, global account manager. So around the time I was making maybe $60,000, you know, young guy in my 20s, you know. And he said, I don't know why, but I just want to give that to you. I didn't apply for it. I didn't ask for it. I know there are people that apply for it that have been in the industry 20, 30 years. I was just a young little punk, you know. <laughs> Just, just loving Jesus, you know, just go to church and serve God and didn't care about all the rest because I, I always thought I want to serve God. And say, I want to give you that. Do you want to take it? I said, sure. Within 24 hours, I was a regular schmo making $60,000 to become a guy who pulled in $170,000 that year. Zero effort on my part. Absolutely zilch. Jesus said this, I have called you 
into the harvest where ye upon have not labor for it other has labor for it you are just entering into their labor somebody had worked this business I found out who that was day and night for two years and now they're about to reap this great harvest they put me in the place that I would just reap it there are people that just work and work and work and work and work and they got marginal success they go oh praise the Lord why the Lord didn't do anything do you want miraculous success serve God he'll give you rest and he'll pour blessing over you that is so counterintuitive have you tried and tried and tried and nothing is working well start resting how come and serve the Lord don't go and sit home and watch Netflix that will do nothing for you come and serve God worship him feast before him serve him serve his people he will open doors that nobody have have opened before and I want to encourage you this in this hour and this time we are the ones that need to stand up and make a difference and can have testimonies like that that is just one of the many incredible testimonies of promotion I had in my vocation when I come into full-time ministries I actually had to like really make some major sacrifices that people that go to ministry because there's you know whatever but I, I came to ministry because God called me to I actually didn't want to I said God this is way too good man I can serve you the same way friends I want to encourage you do what the Bible teaches go for God would you please stand with me today